This message comes from NPR sponsor Planet Oat. No deep thinking here. Planet Oat oat milk is rich, creamy, and an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D. Also, Planet Oat's unsweetened varieties have zero grams of sugar. Visit planetoat.com for more. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey down there, look out below. I'm Bill Curtis. (laughs) And here's your host. The rest of his intro was redacted due to an ongoing investigation. It's Peter Sale. Thank you, Bill. And thanks, as always, to our fake audience. Our guest today, Stephen Merchant, may be the most successful TV producer in history because the show he created with Ricky Gervais for the BBC, something called The Office, inspired remakes in 10 different countries, including, of course, the U.S. Their key insight, whoever or wherever you are on this globe, your boss is an idiot. Oh, and by the way, Doug Berman, hope you're enjoying your vacation out there. We miss you. First, we want to hear you prove that you are smarter than whoever you might work for. So give us a call. The number is one wait wait That's one 888 Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Who's this? This is Hannah Forrest from Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, a beautiful place uh, where I've only yeah. seen the airport, but that's another story. What do you do there? I am an ADHD coach and also a neurofeedback technician. What is a neurofeedback technician? A neurofeedback technician is a person who basically helps people who have dysregulated brainwaves regulate their brainwaves. Doesn't doesn't weed do that? (laughs) That's what I was always told. Yes. yes. Anyway, Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a comedian, writer, and host of the podcast TV, I say. It's Ashley Ray. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. Next up, a comedian and host of the podcast Back to School. You can see him at the Netflix comedy special in Los Angeles on April 29th. It's Maz Jobrani. Hey, how are you? It's a festival, but I'll call it a special. Why not? (laughs) Finally, it's the contributor to CBS Sunday Morning, whose off-Broadway show Approval Junkie is now available as an audio play exclusively on Audible. It's Faith Saylor. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Hannah, you're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes, sir. Okay, here is your first quote. This is your pilot speaking. This is the most important announcement I've ever made. That was a pilot on Alaska <laughs> Airlines midair on Monday, just before he announced the end of what? Oh, mask mandate. Exactly, the ending of the mask mandate. On Monday, a judge in Florida struck down the federal mask mandate on airplanes and public transit on the legal grounds of, quote, sounds fishy to me. She said <laughs> that the Centers for Disease Control exceeded their authority when they tried to control a disease. Now, people treated this like it was the end of this two and a half year pandemic. It was amazing, the celebrations. I saw a sailor grab a nurse in Times Square and kiss her. And now they both have COVID. (laughs) Did you guys celebrate? Were you like, yay? No, no, didn't didn't choose to celebrate. Uh, I, I, you know, I did love the videos, though, of just all of the people who you saw ripping their masks off. And then the one person like every four seats who just looked like they wanted to kill everyone. Right. And oddly enough, the irony is the other people are going to kill them. Yeah. So and there, there you is. go. <laughs> I, listen, I'm happy. I'm happy to not wear a mask, but I'm going to wear a mask, meaning. Right. I the fact that people are cheering it. I mean, Jim Jordan supposedly tweeted something like Fauci loses, people win. It's not a competition. Yeah. <laughs> Coronavirus is not a football game. This you the mask is for your own safety. First of all, the fact that pilots are cheering, this breaks my heart cuz pilots used to be n- good. Now I'm waiting for the pilot <laughs> to be like no mask and the election was fake. We're storming the Capitol. I'd be like, oh no. Yeah. I mean, the oh, least no. they could have done, the least they yeah. could have done, the pilots as they made these announcements could have been like, they still could have stuck to the like standard Chuck Yeager style pilot voice. Like, hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen, on your left, you can now see the Grand Canyon. On your right, you can now see the ugly face of the person sitting next to you because you can take <laughs> off your mask. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been better. But no, the, the celebration was weird. I mean, it, it was so tragic though that on Monday, one flight experienced a sudden drop of cabin pressure and the oxygen masks dropped down and everybody yelled, ha, we don't have to anymore. And sadly, they all died. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Back to you. Here is your next quote. Are you still watching? That prompt that we've all seen took on a new meaning this week when what streaming service announced record losses? Netflix. Yes, Netflix. Netflix stock plummeted this week after they announced they had lost over 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter of this year. It was shocking news that made people everywhere ask, wait, I still subscribe to Netflix? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I checked in with, you know, my ex-boyfriend's mom, sister's aunt, and her account that we all share is still working. So she hasn't left the platform yet. Now, part of the problem, apparently, with Netflix, a lot of competition, and there's just a lack of must-see shows on the service. Stranger Things, for example, one of their biggest hits, yes, but it premiered six years ago. These kids are so old now. The Stranger Things they're dealing with are Roth IRAs and Sciatica. <laughs> It, as I get older, I forget that I'm getting older until you t say things like that, Peter. Like when they said that that fourth booster was available or third booster was available for 50 and older. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's available for 50 and older. And I was like, wait a minute. That's me. <laughs> it was such a bummer. And then I think, I, I don't know if you heard, but when when Donald Trump heard that, uh, that Netflix lost 200,000 subscribers, he said they weren't lost. They were stolen. Um, hey. I'm sorry. Hey. Also, Bill, do you also, have a snare drum where you are? I left mine. I just moved. It's in a box somewhere. I cannot find I, it. I think what Netflix needs to do is they need to focus on communities and collaborate. The kids are collabing nowadays. So what they do is, is for example, they get a Netflix just for Middle Easterners. We love nuts. It's called Nutflix. It's just a bunch of shows about almonds. Or they do one, they do one for people who like to watch Netflix for breakfast. It's called Cornflix. <laughs> Just so you know, uh, we're docking your pay with each one of these months. <laughs> uh, we should also point out that in addition to the Netflix news, uh, in another streaming disaster, uh, CNN Plus was canceled oh, less than a month after yeah. its launch, largely due to their inability to answer the question, plus what? what? So, <laughs> apparently, the idea of CNN Plus was that you would pay extra to spend extra time with your favorite CNN personalities, the cooking show called Hungry Like the Wolf Blitzer. But they may have miscalculated with Zoom In with Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> so is that like a Patreon for CNN people? Basically? Apparently, yeah. I mean, it really, sounds I mean, more like an OnlyFans. Uh, yeah, well, I think it depends. I mean, it's like it's Patreon for Wolf Blitzer and OnlyFans for Anderson Cooper, because let's be honest, go. right? <laughs> All right, Hannah, we have one more quote for you. Here you go. Pink hearts, yellow moons, green clovers, and red balloons. No, that was not a leprechaun. It was Bill Curtis, I know, surprise, reading the description for a cereal that the FDA is now investigating for causing multiple cases of food poisoning. What product has turned on us? Beef? I'm sorry, say that again? I said beef. It's usually beef. No, it's 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 a it's a breakfast product, a breakfast cereal. <laughs> beef. Maybe you have beef. a very unusual breakfast habit. I don't know. <laughs> beef flakes. Things are different beef in flakes. Charleston. Beef crunch. <laughs> uh no, not beef. Oh, Pink hearts, yellow moons? Uh, uh, Magically fruit delicious? It's no, you know, so I, I think, so you know, there are certain yeah. things I think you're actually blessed to not know about. And this is one of them. And you've already won. So I'll tell you, we're talking about Lucky Charms. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Of Lucky course. Charms. Yes. The FDA is investigating Lucky Charms cereal after hundreds of people reported getting sick after eating it. The problem is what? everybody always focuses on the marshmallows. No one ever noticed that the other pieces in Lucky Charms cereal, it's all uncooked shrimp. <laughs> That's why disgusting. Is any, why is anybody surprised by this? Why is anyone surprised by this? Oh, the reason I'm feeling horrible today is because of my breakfast marshmallows? That can't be. Peter, I'm really curious. What were the symptoms reported? Did they, you know, suddenly start looking for gold? No. Being like a leprechaun? Well, it was, it was a digestive difficulty. And all, all I really want to say about that on a family radio show is if you happen to find this leprechaun's pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, do not look inside. <laughs> There was a rainbow coming out of places the sun don't shine, you see, as it were. <laughs> Bill, how did Hannah do in our quiz? She got two out of three. That's a win. Congratulations, Hannah. That's great. Hey, thank you so much. I love the show. Thank and you. beef is going to be my answer for everything moving forward. Absolutely. Say beef. Whatever, whatever the question, Solid. beef is always the answer. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Lucky me. 
Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about the week's news. Faith, there's a house for sale in Wisconsin. It's drawing attention thanks to its current owner's love of those art prints that have inspirational phrases on them, you know. For example, there's a poster in the playroom that says, keep exploring. And a print in the kitchen that says, this kitchen is for dancing. And a sign above the bed in the main bedroom that says what? Oh! Does it say Pound Town? Yes, it says welcome (laughs) to Pound Pound Town (laughs) is what it says. Now, again, this is one of those, you know, Zillow finds. People scan Zillow for looking for strange things, and this one was found. So this is a photo that is supposed to make people want to buy the house, right? And there is a sign above the bed that says, Welcome to Pound Town. Because who doesn't want to walk into their very own bedroom, their very own home, and be greeted by a pickup line from the worst guy at the hotel bar? Oh, my gosh. I... I have so many questions. Please, Faith. I'm here to answer <laughs> them if I can. I think, as a parent, I'm wondering if this is a family and there are children who walk in and see that above their parents' bed. It says, Welcome to Pound Town. Mommy, Daddy, how was I born? Well, when two people love each other very much, they buy tickets to Pound Town. <laughs> to Pound Town. Town. Well, what's, sad, what's sad about this is a young couple will buy this, and then as they grow older and gain a lot of weight, it's going to have a whole different meaning, and they're going to be yeah. depressed. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, some real estate professional decided, you know what would make this house look particularly enticing? That sign, welcome to Pound Town. (laughs) Right? By the way, while we're talking, let's not let the... This kitchen is for dancing off the hook. Do they do they live in a heart medication commercial? Coming up, the one thing somebody's doing over and over and over again. It's our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies from nonprofits to the Fortune 500 find food for meetings and company events. With online ordering and 24-7 live support. Learn more at easycater.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the official Hacks podcast from Max. Join the creators and showrunners of Hacks as they discuss each episode and speak with the cast and crew about the making of the series. Listen to the official Hacks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Faith Saley, Maz Jobrani, and Ashley Ray. And here again is your host, a man who is beginning to regret the full box of Lucky Charms he had for breakfast this morning, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game called one triple eight. wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello, this is Tim. I'm from Mississauga, which is a suburb about a half an hour west of Toronto. Oh, wow. You're a Canadian then. Yes, I am a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would, now if you hadn't admitted, I would have recognized it by the, the classic Canadian argot. Um, what do you do there? I am a high school drama and uh, indigenous studies teacher. A uh, high school drama teacher. Mine was Mr. Schneider, Mr. Norman Schneider extremely important in my life. So I, I appreciate you doing that work. I'm sure you're you're either steering kids uh, toward careers of glory and fame or very subtly trying to steal them away from it. My, my <laughs> philosophy is I'm not going to make you a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, a business person, a, a, an electrician. I'm just going to make you a better one. There you are. I like that. I like that mm-hmm. attitude. Huh. Well, Tim, welcome to the show. Now, you, of course, are going to play the game in which you have to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Tim's topic? 12,272. Now, that may sound like Bill was just trying to sing the song from Rent and not remembering the lyrics, but that number means more. This week, we read about somebody who did something exactly 12,272 times, and our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Ready to play? Oh, yeah. All right. First, let's hear from Faith Saley. 
1988, Saul Fleshner walked into a deli in Cedarhurst, New York, and left with an everything bagel with cream cheese. He walked right back in, demanding more cream cheese. He's done the same thing every morning for over 33 years. At first, it was annoying, says Reva Cohen, owner of Five Towns Deli. But after decades of pissing and moaning, Saul is now our mascot. Deli employees hail Saul, now 77, when he arrives. Regulars give him high fives. When he leaves the store with his bagel, customers and workers alike yell a countdown to see how long it takes him to come back in and ask for more cream cheese. Last week, the deli honored Saul by creating a wall of kvetch. His whole family came, and his nine-year-old grandson, Max, calculated that his grandpa has been asking for extra cream cheese 12,272 times and counting. The deli immediately sold out of t-shirts to commemorate the occasion. They feature Saul's grumpy face and declare, Don't fear the extra schmear. All right. A man who has returned to the deli he bought his bagel from to demand more cream cheese. Your next story of someone doing a whole lot of something comes from Ashley Ray. This week marked 420, a marijuana holiday celebrated by cannabis users across the country. In celebration, Chris Simmons, a self-described, quote, evangelist of the power of the flower from Encino, California, attempted to set a world record for most joints smoked in one day. To pull the stunt off, Mr. Simmons had to start blazing at the stroke of midnight and had to keep smoking for all 24 hours. At one point, he even maintained a joint while finishing an entire footlong and two bags of Doritos, which was made easier by the 300 joints he had already smoked at that point. Despite Mr. Simmons saying, quote, what's a number? When asked how many joints he finished, A careful count of roaches on the floor confirmed the number at 12,272. While Mr. Simmons starts petitioning the Guinness Book to recognize his feet, celebrities Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, and Seth Rogen released a joint statement saying, we didn't know we were supposed to be counting. (laughs) A guy who smoked 12,272 joints, presumably setting a new record. And your last story of 12,272nd times comes from Maz Jobrani. Kids love watching planes fly overhead, but most adults don't. In fact, during 2021, there were over 13,000 noise complaints filed at the Dublin airport. And as even more proof of how much people hate plane noise, 12,272 of the complaints were from one guy. The unidentified person averaged 34 complaints a day. That means in a 12-hour day from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., This person was stopping every 20 minutes to lodge a complaint against the noise. We don't know who this person is, except we know he lives close to the airport and has been making thousands of complaints for the past few years, including 6,000 in 2020 when the world was on lockdown and nobody did anything, except apparently this guy. One would think, why hasn't the person just sold his house? But then again, imagine trying to sell a house that has planes frying over it all day. You'd have to time the viewing just perfectly so the new buyers wouldn't know. Yes, we can show you the house. Could you come by sometime between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m.? That's when you really get a good feel for the neighborhood. All right. Maz, thank you for doing an Irish accent. Thank you for the accent. Yes, you're welcome. And my drama teacher was Michelle Swanson. Thank you. All right. Here are your choices. Somebody did something 12,272 times. Was it from Faith Saley, a guy who demanded more schmear? on his bagel that many times over the years at the same deli every morning from Ashley, a guy who smoked that many joints to set a world record or from Maz, a guy who complained about the noise at the Dublin airport that many times in one calendar year, which of these is the real story of an overachiever. I'm just wondering what part of Scotland Irish accent was from. (laughs) Okay. Well, I love bagels. Um, I'm a high school teacher, so I know my kids love 420. Um, but I grew up near an airport, so I'm I'm going to go with the year at the airport complaint. All right, then. That's your choice, Maz's story. Well, we spoke to someone familiar with that real story. You can call a thousand times a day. It's not going to change anything. The aircraft still has to land. The flights have to come in and the flights have to come out. That was John Machado, who was a retired air traffic controller, talking about the 12,272 complaints at the Dublin airport. Congratulations, Tim. You got it right. You're in a point for Maz, and you've won a prize. 
the voice of your choice in your voicemail. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, love listening to you guys. Keep up the good work. You made me smile during COVID. We will do, oh, as, do thanks, that Tim. as long as we can. Thank you so much, Tim. And now the game where somebody has done a lot is asked to do a little more. There's a lot of ways we could introduce Stephen Merchant. He's the guy who, along with Ricky Gervais, created The Office. He's written and performed in many other TV shows and films. But maybe the best way to introduce him is to quote his character introducing himself in his newest TV show, The Outlaws. And I quote, Hello, I'm six foot seven inches tall. And no, it's not in proportion. Stephen Merchant, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> Thanks so much. What a, what a, what a lovely introduction. <laughs> You're, well, you wrote it, my friend, so I figured I'd use it. You could not object. Um, with someone like yourself who has a remarkable uh, career, I usually like to ask what people recognize you most frequently for. Yes. But as you yourself point out, you're six foot seven inches tall. I imagine people more often ask you what team you played for. That's right. In fact, whenever I, I mean, I never played basketball with any skill in, in, in England because it's not really a thing in England basketball. But uh, whenever I occasionally go to a Lakers game in LA, I like to I like to think that people think, wow, that must be some kind of English uh, retired pro. <laughs> but I am. But yes, no, you're like you say, even from a young age, people have been fascinated by my height which seems you know, endlessly fascinating to people. And they, can, they feel they can make comments when you're very tall in a way they wouldn't, I think, if you're very short. So like, you know, you'll be in a bar and you'll order a drink and just a complete stranger will be like, that's a tall order. And everyone will laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, wow, you're right. Yeah. I did not notice this man's head is scraping the light <laughs> right. fixture. But yes, now that you point it out, right. that is obviously true. Does it, does it ever, like, do you ever like go all Cyrano on them and get indignant <laughs> and like throw back better tall jokes at them or something like that? <laughs> not really no i think i just was raised to be kind of polite i think and also slightly scared of people i just know i you know particularly kind of i get it a lot from guys driving by in in vans and i was just that was that slight anxiety that they might pull over and beat me to death with a tire iron um i mean you never know like in la once i was walking i literally was walking like two blocks to meet a friend and someone drove by, a complete stranger, and just leaned out the window and shouted, hey, loser, get a car! <laughs> yes. Oh, my what? God. That just happens in LA. Was it, was it Ricky Gervais? Yeah. Was it Ricky Gervais? <laughs> yeah. What? It wasn't Ricky because he can't drive. So it was everybody <laughs> other than Ricky. So I, I, I need to ask about The Office. Um, most people associate it with more with Ricky Gervais, your partner in it, because he was on camera playing the original, the original boss, David Brent. And, and and did you like look at Ricky Gervais in that first thing is like someday, like India will be the 10th country to adapt this to their own culture? I mean, we only ever hoped that maybe a million people would, it would be their favorite thing. That right. was our ambition. Right. Like a, like a cult band, you know, that yeah. hopefully there would be a, a big fan base. And it, they, the BBC did a test screening and it got the lowest score ever, except for women's lawn bowls. <laughs> so it was, Which, it was basically, it was like way down at the bottom of the list. It was you. Wait, yeah. And then it's women's lawn bowls. Only thing women's lawn bowls, which I don't even know what that is exactly, or indeed if it's televised. Right. But, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, that was. And also, it took a little while for people to tune into it and get the idea of it. I was actually because, as you say, I wasn't on screen. I remember a few days after the pilot aired in England, I was on a train and two women were sat opposite me. And they didn't know who I was. And one of them said, did you see that documentary last night about an office? The boss was absolutely hysterical. And her friend said, no, I don't think that was a documentary. I think that was a sitcom. And the other woman said, oh, well, it wasn't very funny then. <laughs> I was reminded of something just a moment ago, which is that uh, Ricky Gervais at one point was your boss. Is that true? He was very briefly, yes. When I uh, came out of university, I was keen to get into radio. And he had somehow sweet-talked his way into a radio job. Um, and <clears throat> had never done any radio and, and, would, and sort of just charmed people. And he immediately said he needed an assistant um, and uh, didn't need an assistant because he wasn't doing any work. But um, uh, I sent a resume in by chance. And I think mine was on the top of the pile. And he's a very lazy man, or was back then, and um, <laughs> called me in for an interview. And we hit it off. And, and he called me up. And I, suddenly I was his assistant for, wow. for a handful of weeks before, like I say, I jumped ship. Was he a good boss? Well... I remember once there was a balloon, a promotional balloon had been brought in with a bunch of uh, 
cereal in it. It was a promotional item that someone had brought in and it was sat above my desk. And one day I'm doing some work and he, I just heard a pop and all the cereal just landed on my head. And Ricky was just giggling like a child and turning around on his chair. So if that's a good boss, then sure. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen, is it, is it true that you got to destroy an actual Banksy in, in filming your show? I did. Yes. I, um, well, uh, I'm from a place called Bristol in the UK, and the show is set in Bristol. And Banksy is also a infamous sort of son of Bristol. We don't know entirely if he comes from there, but his lot of his street art began its life and is still up in and around Bristol. And so we knew he had a local connection. And because of the characters in the show, um, I, among others, play uh, a bunch of um, uh, people doing community service. And so to pay back the community, they are renovating a building. And so it's covered in the kind of street art that you see all around Bristol. And we thought it'd be very funny. What if there was a Banksy in amongst that and these guys didn't realize what it was and painted over it? It seemed like a funny idea for a bit. And then we thought, well, what if we can get the real Banksy to do it? And that'll make it even more fun. And so we sort of found a go-between and we reached out to him. And I and I thought it would appeal to him because he, you know, it's quite he likes that playfulness with his art, right? So I was like, what if you paint something and then we destroy it and then it only exists in the show? But he doesn't want anyone to know who he is or what he looks like. So did you all have to like cordon off the set and like Well, no, so that's what happened. So we said we told him where the set was, and he said, um, take your just have your security go home early. And uh and I'll, if I can come, I'll come. And so we sort of sent our security guy away. And then he must have, I mean, he literally must have jumped over the fence because it was a high fence to protect the set. He must have climbed over it somehow because the next morning in we come and there is this Banksy wow. the, you know, hidden amongst the uh, stuff. And so what we did was we hid it from the cast and the crew. We didn't tell anybody until the morning we were going to do it. Then I went to Christopher Walken, who was in the show. Yeah, you heard me, Christopher Walken. And I went to him in his trailer <laughs> yeah, and I said, Chris, how do you feel about destroying a Banksy this morning? And he's like, yeah, sure, because, you know, he's game for a laugh. And so, yes, we had him paint over it uh, for this scene. And oh. um, and there it was. And so it only exists in the show. But people seem to think that this Banksy existed and we found it and we destroyed it. He did paint it especially for us. You could have sold the Banksy and paid for season two. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Stephen Merchant, it is really fun to talk to you, but we have asked you here to play a game that this time we're calling Stephen Merchant. Watch out for Stephen Merchant's. One of our producers tried to say your name right after getting punched in the face. And as a result, we're going to ask you three questions about crooked shopkeepers or thieving merchants. Answer two out of three questions correctly. You want a prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Stephen Merchant playing for? Alyssa Martin of Los Angeles, California. All right. She, she could be, you could run into her in the street. She could be the next person who yells at you from their car. So, <laughs> Well, if I lose, she will. Exactly. All right. Here's your first question. Some shady merchants, especially online, will sell cheap knockoffs of high-quality products. But if you look carefully, you can spot the difference. So as in which of these actual products you can buy? A, McDoggins French Frogs. B, Meats by Dre brand headphones. Or C, Nookie basketball shoes. Meets by Dre feels like it should be sort of, you know, it should be cold cuts or something in a, in a butcher shop. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it should be headphones. I feel like it's C. I, I don't know why. I feel like the sneakers maybe is. No, it's actually Meets by Dre brand headphones. Oh, come on. What? I'm sorry. It's true. But you can buy them. Uh, and weirdly, Meets by Dre brand headphones come in a box with an apple on it. So apparently they're confused. But Meets has no relationship to sound. It <laughs> That's why I'm just I'm disappointed that they've gone to that much effort and they've done it so poorly. <laughs> okay, here's your next question. You have to be especially careful with online merchants. One shopper saw a photo on Amazon of a cute kid sleeping on an even cuter dinosaur-shaped pillow as big as he was. But after ordering it, they did not receive a large kid-sized dinosaur-shaped pillow. Instead, they got what? A, a box of kid-sized melatonin tablets. B, a cheap pillowcase with that photo of the kid sleeping and the dinosaur printed on it. Or C, a knockoff DVD of Jurassic Park. I feel like it has to be B. That seems like the only viable option there i think you're right that's what it was yes 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 so the beautiful picture of kids sleeping in this adorable dinosaur pillow any kid would love to have it and what they got was a pillowcase with the picture printed <laughs> all right here's your last question if you get this correctly you win anyone can be a thieving merchant over on kickstarter which of these is a real kickstarter product that never delivered to its backers a anti-radiation underwear which promises to protect your private bits from cell phone radiation B, a razor that uses lasers instead of blades to shave your face. Or C, just a guy who said, pay me to make a single serving of potato salad, and he raised $55,000. 
I mean, I think radiation underwear is a smart idea, but I, it feels like C just because that seems like the sort of crazy thing that someone would do and that people would give money towards. Yes, you're right. That is the kind of crazy thing that people would give money towards. But so were the other two. They were all real. Oh, they're all oh, real. Wow. Yes, because you're right. I would buy radiation, especially these days. Yeah. Radiation-proof underwear. Bill, how did Stephen Merchant do in our quiz? Stephen, you're a winner. Two out of three. I'm very, very... I mean, when this makes it to network TV... I hope you'll remember me. We're going to be on CNN Plus. Look for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Merchant stars in The Outlaws as well as writing and directing it. You can watch it now on Amazon Prime. It's funny and surprising and awfully awkward. Stephen Merchant, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. A joy to talk Bye. to you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Take Stephen. care. Bye. Walking along, minding my business. I lifted my eyes, my God, what is this? A work of perfection, just a walk in this way Makes me wanna say That you're a tall drink of water in just a minute, Bill takes relaxing to a whole new level in our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. Big news stories don't always break on your schedule. But with the NPR app, news, culture, and podcasts are ready when you want them. In your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Osea. Their Mega Moisture Duo features two of their clean, vegan bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Faith Saley, Ashley Ray, and Maz Jobrani. And here again is your host... Easily among the top ten hosts of this show, Peter Sagal. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill gets Ryan Bunches in our listening on the challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Maz, the pandemic has made us forget a lot of things, and according to some experts, this includes many of us forgetting how to correctly use what? Oh gosh, correctly use? Is it a car? No. No. Oh. How to correctly use... Can, can you give me a hint? Yeah, well, we've never been sure what some of those little toes do anyway. We've forgotten how to use our feet. Exactly right. Doctors <laughs> are treating far more foot-related injuries now that people are getting out and about, you know, using those um, those two flat things at the end of our legs. What are they called again? Oh, damn. Um, can we just call them like southern hands? Uh, <laughs> podiatrists blame this wave of foot pain and injuries on things like not wearing shoes for two years straight then trying to put them back on or you know supporting extra pandemic pounds and and why the heck were you people kneading your sourdough with your feet (laughs) i mean i thought people were walking for the past were there people that just completely tapped out and just lay down on the bed for two years some people didn't Uh, yes there were personally okay (laughs) ashley's Ashley's volunteering (laughs) I actually had more foot issues when I 
wasn't leaving the apartment as much because you weren't wearing proper support on your feet and like my feet were I couldn't get a pedicure for months. Oh my god. It was Speak. horrible. I had cracking Well, feet. F- think about that. Like nobody's okay. taking care of their feet. And now we're all injuring ourselves and going to these poor podiatrists who have to deal with these horrible you know, extremities that we're putting in front of their face. They must be like, what is this, a monkey's claw? Do I make a wish? (laughs) Although I will say, I think it has been very liberating for lots and lots of women who are like, uh, uh -uh, I'm not putting on heels again. Yeah, no, I gave up. I bought a pair of Crocs. Come on, I'm done trying. You're done. Like, yeah, I'm done in polite society. That is the international symbol for giving up, buying (laughs) a pair of Crocs. All right, Ashley, there's a hot new trend on Instagram. Gen Zers are now dressing like what? Prairie people? Is it no, the prairie? It's sort of a cottage good core? Is it the cottage? A, we've been no we've done been there, done that. We've moved on from cottage core. Oh man, can I get a hint? Sure, they're all hanging out and posing in their stylish orthopedic shoes. <laughs> like the golden girls, like old people. Yeah, like grandmothers. Uh, like young grandmas. people are embracing what has been called the coastal grandmother aesthetic, popularized by <laughs> actors like Diane Keaton uh, in movies. <laughs> Like the ones your mom likes, you know, she's standing in the deck of a magnificent seaside home and like a long flowing dress, a floppy sun hat and an expression on their face that reads wealthy yet sad. <laughs> there has to be a cardigan, of course. Like exactly. A nice, a cardigan, heavy perhaps, knit. Maybe, maybe, maybe like a very classy string of pearls, but nothing too ostentatious, <laughs> right? I'm trying to get yeah. a handle on this. So it, this is, is it more Eileen Fisher, Chico's flowy or is it more Talbot's? Yeah, very Talbots, yeah. I'm told. Yeah, this isn't like, to put it mildly, my Jewish booby. No, this is this is like a a, a a matriarch of a waspy clan named Martha yeah. or something. Like they right? probably go to Ann Taylor Loft. Mm-hmm. More, you know, right? Exactly. Yeah, and she, you know, and she moved out to their coast to their beach house full time after the divorce. But she's really enjoying her independence. <laughs> That's. I don't know how Netflix can be losing money when Grace and Frankie has had such an impact on this younger population. I know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're influencers. Influencers, I tell you. All right. Ma's a new unauthorized biopic of the great singer Celine Dion opens this week. The adult Celine Dion is being played by the 58-year-old French actress Valérie Lemessier, while the five-year-old young Celine will be played by whom? Uh, five-year-old Celine will be played by, um, Gérard Depardieu. <laughs> no? I think he can pull it off. I'll give a hint. Among the, yeah, other, among the other advantages of this genius idea is they, they saved a lot of money on extra actors. Remember I said uh, the, the 58-year-old woman is playing her as a, you know, Oh, uh, so she's adult. playing that's five-year-old as well. Exactly right. The French actress Valerie Lemessier, who's also the director of the film, is playing Celine Dion at every age from childhood through maturity. Uh, so the idea is that she is made to look smaller in sort of a hobbit-like way with creative camera angles, but she will still have the, her 58-year-old face. So we finally they- might get to see Benjamin Button sing That's the Way It Is. Is she going like, to be like, listen, uh, now I will play the younger version. Take the camera and just go very far away. Go very far. <laughs> exactly. Now, it, there's a trailer online. The movie so isn't going strange. into release after being at Cannes last year. But this is true. Le Messier also wanted to play Celine Dion as a six-month-old baby. She even filmed it, but she told the LA Times, my producer got down on their knees and said to me, please cut that. <laughs> I will sit there sometimes and be like, I'd be like, oh man, like the, the, the breakdown will come in and then be like, you know, male, late 30s. And I'll be like, I can't play late 30s. I'm in my, <laughs> I just turned 50. This, meanwhile, this French lady's like, I can do it all. Direct, I yeah, will play, you, five, you, I play 55 and 95. <laughs> I will play uh, Le Dijon. I will play yeah. the mustard that she eats in the middle of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. I will be there. Someone will pull up in there. Have you, do you have any Grey Poupon? I will be the Grey Poupon. <laughs> <laughs> I love how when you're trying to figure out like tropes of French cinema, you go <laughs> to the Grey Poupon commercial. <laughs>
Coming up, it's lightning fell in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four, or click the contact us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. Also, come see us live. We miss you. You can come to the Man Center in Philadelphia on June thirtieth, or at Wolf Trap outside of Washington D.C. August twenty fifth and twenty sixth, and the Wait Wait Stand Up Tour. That's back. It kicks off in Salt Lake City on June twenty fourth. Tickets and info about all of those shows are at nprpresents.org. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hey, this is Sadiq Ali from Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Sadiq, how are you? Doing good, doing good. I got no complaints, you know. World almost back to normal, so life is good. Yeah, there you I like that attitude. What do you do there in the Charm City? I, uh, I lead a nonprofit organization, as a matter of fact. Oh, you do? Is it is it good times for nonprofits or, 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 or tough? I mean, I, people, I mean, there was a big contraction and donations and stuff when the pandemic started is it coming back to normal are people like going out and giving money again yeah it's it's been pretty good you know just, just like the for-profit world there's been uh, some ups and downs but you know for the most part people have been pretty generous with their time and their and their resources man so again no complaints that's great to hear man i just I, i'm not sure i want to play a game with you i just want you to tell me that everything's kind of okay <laughs> that's <laughs> I, and see if i can catch your attitude i get that well, Sadiq, welcome to the show. Bill Curtis is going to now read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word correctly on two of the limericks, will be a winner. You ready to play? I'm ready. Let's do it. Here's your first limerick. Making out is the peak of depravity, and my teeth feel the force of its gravity. Tooth rot's contagious. That fact is outrageous. I kissed, and I just caught a... Cavity. Yo. Cavity, yeah. A dentist in Houston is warning that cavities are actually contagious. Great. Another thing I can catch on a plane now. (laughs) Studies have shown that cavities can be spread through kissing when the bacteria that causes tooth decay is passed from person to person. That is why I use N95 toothpaste. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, this sounds like a win for us single people, so hey. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Here is your next limerick. The batter seals flavors inside. And the oil is ready, roll tide. My arteries thicken, but mmm, such great chicken. I'm eating more foods that are... Fried. Fried. Fried, Good. that's right. During the pandemic, our consumption of french fries, fried chicken, and fried ivermectin went up drastically with the restaurant menus showing a major <laughs> increase in the, this is a technical term, fry attachment rate. That's the rate at which diners add fries to their orders, not the rate at which you start to consider french fries your closest friend. Uh, <laughs> so this was all added up to about a 93% increase in repair calls for industrial restaurant deep fryers with supply chain issues, of course, causing some fryers to be out of service for weeks. It's horrible news. Without fried foods, experts worry that many of us might live. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get it. The best friend I made during quarantine was my air fryer. I love that little (gasps) thing. I need to get one of those. Yeah, we all need to get one. Thank you, Ashley. (laughs) Here's your last limerick. If you ever get up, then you're quitting. And you cannot bring phones, books, or knitting. You just need a chair and some fresh dessert air. And you're ready to start extreme... Uh, sitting. Yes, indeed. <laughs> sitting. There you go, city. Competitive sitting Good is one. the hot new sport this summer, or it will be if they ever have a competition. You have to sit somewhere all day long without any phone or distractions. The record for doing this is apparently 14 hours. The training for the sport is hard. You have to diligently not do any sports. The sport was created by Olympic chiller Robert Silk, who's just waiting for his endorsement deals to roll in. Imagine the competitors at the first national championship with the words Barca Lounger across their chest. So far, the longest competitive sit record is over 14 hours in Joshua Tree National Park. Really, that's just competitive vibing. <laughs> But why can't you stand and stare? We're always told that like our, our sitting culture is worse than smoking. No, apparently you got to sit, man. Can you sit and smoke? Part of the challenge. Yeah, that because that changes everything <laughs> if you can sit and smoke. <laughs> Bill, how did Sadiq do on our quiz? Sadiq scored big. He got them all right. Three and all. Well done, Sadiq. Congratulations. That we like, baby. Positive attitude, right? <laughs> hey, it worked for you here. I'm going to try yeah, to adopt it. Going through. through life, man. Take care, sir, and thanks for the good work you do. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? 
from the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. The day's top headlines, local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place, your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Now it's time for our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Sure can. Ashley has two, Moz has three, and Faith has three. Well, Ashley, that means that you're in second place. So you're going to go first. The clock will start when I begin your first question and fill in the blank. On Thursday, the Biden administration committed to increasing military and economic aid to blank. Ukraine. Right. On Wednesday, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen faced off in blank's first and only presidential debate. France. Right. For the first time in weeks, four million citizens in Shanghai were given permission to go outside as China loosened its blank restrictions. COVID restrictions. Right. After Alex Jones lost a defamation lawsuit, his company Blank filed for bankruptcy. Info wars. Yes. This week, a bride in Florida and her caterer were arrested for allegedly lacing their wedding food with Blank. Marijuana. Yes. The Capitol had to be evacuated this week because of a threat that turned out to be Blank. Fake. (laughs) No, it turned out to be a parachute team entertaining the fans at Nats Park. Pro tip. If you ever decide to fly a small plane low and fast over Washington, D.C., tell the Capitol Police first. You're pretty jumpy. Don't know why. Making things even worse, one of the parachute guys was wearing nothing but Viking horns and a painted chest. (laughs) Bill, how did Ashley do in her quiz? Very well. Ashley had five right for ten more points. She now has twelve and the lead. I'm going to arbitrarily choose Maz to go next. Fill in the blank. After it was struck down earlier this week, the Department of Justice said they would appeal the ruling on blank mandates for travel. Masks. Right. $48 million was the starting price at the auction for the NFT of the first ever blank. Underwear. No, the first ever tweet. And the highest bid for the NFT of the first ever tweet in this auction was blank. Uh, a dollar. Close, $280. On Tuesday, Moderna <laughs> announced that their new blank helps against rising coronavirus variants. Vaccine. Mayor Booster, yeah. On Wednesday, sports officials in the UK announced that tennis players from Russia and Belarus would be banned from participating in blank. Wimbledon. Yes, this week, police in San Francisco who pulled a car over for a routine traffic stop were surprised when it tried to flee the scene because it was blank. It was a, a, it was a self-driving car. Right, it was driverless. When the driverless car initially moved to the side of the road, uh, the police approached it and it drove away, like ran from the cops. Probably for the best. Can you imagine trying to give a ticket to an autonomous car run by Google? No, I don't know how fast I was going, but I do know your entire search history. Maybe you should let me off with a warning. (laughs) Bill, how did Moz do on our quiz? He had four, right? Eight more points. He now has 11, but Ashley still has the lead with 12. All right, how many then does Faith... Need to win. Five to win. All right. Here we go, Faith. This is for the game. On Tuesday, the White House announced it was forgiving over 40,000 borrowers blanks. Student loans. Right. On Monday, President Biden released guidelines calling for all new blank projects to use U.S.-produced steel. Infrastructure? Yes. This week, Russia test-launched what it said was an unstoppable blank. Nuclear missile. Satan, too. Yes, on Tuesday, a judge in Georgia allowed an effort to disqualify Blank from running for re-election. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. According to residents, one of the most popular new tourist spots in Minnesota is Lake Chipotle, which is Blank. Spicy. No, a giant puddle in a Chipotle parking lot. On Thursday, the Obamas (laughs) announced they would not be renewing their podcast deal with Blank. Spotify. Right. On Monday, Perez Jepchircher and Evans Shebet won the women and men's division of the Blank Marathon. Boston. Yes, Boston. While well, if the dentist to get his tooth filled, a man in Illinois had to be rushed to the hospital because he blanked. Uh, swallowed the tooth. Drill. So close. He, all right, I'll give you to faith. Yes, he accidentally inhaled the drill bit. The dentist was in the process of drilling out the cavity where the man took a deep breath. It was the second most uncomfortable thing to happen at the appointment that day, right after the dentist asking him about his summer plans while his jaw was being held open. Bill, did faith <laughs> do well enough to win? Very well, seven right, 14 more points. That means with 17, she is this week's champion. Well, congratulations. There you go. Thanks. 
Coming up, our panelists will predict what surprising thing will save Netflix. But first, let me tell you, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our tour manager is Shana Donald. B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Nurmboss, Lillian King, and Nancy Seichow. Our production assistant is Sophie Hernandez de Munidas. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas. Peter Gwynn Plus has been canceled, but users can still enjoy the original Peter Gwynn 24 <laughs> hours a day. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Her CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog, and the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, what will save Netflix? Faith Saley. Well, to keep people on the couch, they're going to tie in every new subscription with a delivery from your local dispensary and some Ben and Jerry's. Maz Brani. <laughs> Netflix will be saved when they merge with Flowmax to form Flowflix with the tagline, helping you stream while you stream. And Ashley Ray. After booking every comedian known to exist for its upcoming stand-up festival, Netflix is saved after being deemed too big to fail. <laughs> if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it here on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Mazda Brani, Faith Saley, and Ashley Ray. Thanks to all of you for listening at home or wherever you are. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.